nights in the well-rounded table to Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take those extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms. I'm Padawan learner and defender of droids, Sarah O'Connor. Welcome, welcome. Hello, Sarah. And hello there, everyone. I'm Colleen McMillan, Jedi Master and Rebel Scum Collaborator. And it is I, Pirate Jedi, Anders True. <laughs> Guys, I'm so happy to be back with you guys. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so happy to be back to do Rebels. I'm so you know, happy folks, with while we vary in terms of our ranks here on BGS, one thing does remain constant. Much to learn, we still have. Mm-hmm. So this season on Bohemian Geek Studies, we are taking a detailed dorky dive into Star Wars Rebels. Everybody watch Rebels. If you don't know already, this is my favorite part of Star Wars. Have I gently chided many people into watching it? Yes. Yes, I have. And today we're getting started with the season one pilot episodes entitled Spark of Rebellion, parts one and two. Yes, now we have done our absolute best to scramble our signature so we will be avoiding spoilers for future episodes. And just while I'm talking about things like that, I'm going to throw in an adult content warning just in case for you young ones. Yeah, we do talk about Kane and Jarrus quite a bit uh, this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get into the episodes themselves, a little story about Rebels as a project. So these episodes first aired on October 3rd, 2014, and Rebels was the first large-scale Star Wars project after the Disney acquisition. Shepherded by Clone Wars creator Dave Filoni, Rebels came from Carrie Beck's idea for an A-team-style group that went around writing wrongs, and Filoni's original concept for Clone Wars, which involved a small group of beings set outside the main action of the Star Wars conflict. Originally, there were going to be a lot more connections into the main films, maybe an actual appearance by the Death Star and director Krennic. <laughs> those were later scrapped after Rogue One was in development and the team decided to keep the focus on the crew of the Ghost and the events that directly affected them. The series took a lot of visual inspiration from the original Star Wars concept art of Ralph McQuarrie, uh, which brought it visually closer to the original trilogy and gave the series a slightly different look than its Clone Wars predecessor. Mm -hmm. This choice accounts for a few things that fans noticed right away and sometimes still will not quite down about. Very vocally. <laughs> such as a very slimmer look and pointed ends for the lightsaber plates. They more closely resemble swords instead of tubes of light. For shame. Oh no. <laughs> they look different. <laughs> And you know what, now that we understand this project, let's hop aboard the ghost and head to Lethal to explore a holocrons of knowledge. And before we even do that, since some folks have come to Rebels for the first time or maybe enjoying Star Wars for the first time, Colleen, can you define for us what a holocron even flipping is? Because we're going to be going through our holocrons here and we got to see a holocron in the episode, but what even is a holocron? Well, as we like to say here on BGS, it is a repository of knowledge. It's kind of like a library book, but like a million books can fit into a holocron if you really make it work. And this is a Jedi holocron that we see in the episode, which means it is activated by the light side of the force. And it has that like pretty shimmery, shiny blue light. These are the ones that only Jedi can open. So it's kind of cool to see that. and. 
basically we're using them as our repositories of knowledge. So we will open them up to learn more things about the episode, the characters, the plot, all that good stuff. Yeah. So without further ado, Colleen, why don't you tell us what our first holocron is and get straight to it? Yep. Let's go, guys. First holocron is the Journal of the Wills, in which we'll go over the plot, the episode synopsis, and a little summary detailing. And, the and journey... can I just ask Colleen? Yes. Yeah. What is the journey of the wilds? Because I didn't know this ahead of time, but we're starting out with our first holocron of it. And I'm already going, wait a second. I'm confused. What's the Wills? How do I learn what are, these what are we even talking about here? <laughs> the wills are actually kind of like the chronologicalers of the force and things that happen in the galaxy, outside the galaxy, everything. It's kind of like in Marvel with the alien guys, the watchers would kind of write down everything that happened and just watch what happens. They don't really intercede in anything. There's actually a really funny short story in From a Certain Point of View that has two Wills fighting over what to write about. (laughs) It's really, really funny. Uh, But they're actually fairly serious beings and they just spend their time detailing everything that happens. And the Wills were actually supposed to be kind of what the Force was at first before George kind of changed things up. But he wanted to keep this idea of the wills. And so it lives on in these metaphysical beings. Yoda actually got to talk to them too at one point in the Clone Wars, at least some aspect of the wills, which was really cool. Very cool. And I do believe in Rogue One, the two characters we meet on Jeddah, the two team members from there, they are the guardians of the wills. They're part of that group. Yeah. Yep. Chirrut, our sweet Chirrut. (laughs) I felt bad. I couldn't remember their names there for a second. I was just like, As those truth. two guys, you know who I'm talking about. You know, mm-hmm. those guys. <laughs> those two dudes. The guy with the, with the huge gun and the blind swordsman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So that is our wills. We're going to move into our holocron now and deep dive to explore the plot for today's episodes. The series opens with Darth Vader himself instructing the Grand Inquisitor that the Emperor has foreseen a new threat the children of the force that will need to be hunted down and eliminated or recruited. And what a, what a bold choice to begin a children's show. James Earl Jones. Bold choice. Talking about terminating children. This is fine. (laughs) And the inquisitor looks scary AF. Yeah. So after this kind of ordering session by Vader to the grand inquisitor, we cut to the planet Lothal, little deserty, little, there's a city off in the distance, but we see kind of this desolation going on where Ezra Bridger, a local street teen and street Lothal rat, distracts an Imperial patrol away from a Gotal vendor. That's the guy with the goat horns with the fruit that just wants to sell his wares, guys. It's all he wants to do. And I'm just going to say it. That is a lazy name for a species. If you're, the Gotal. He's got the goat horns. <laughs> he's you're got, like, uh, he's, he's a Gotal. I mean, what are we going to do? It's, it's George. <laughs> it works. I mean... It's easy to remember then what he is. If you see Gotal, you know he's the goat guy. Ezra, though, takes food from the Gotal vendor as quote-unquote payment for helping him, which fair. He helped him. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, orphan's got to eat somehow. He stumbles upon a heist going on by a small crew of bandits and attempts to take the loot, which turns out to be weapons and food for himself. After being chased down by a TIE fighter, which really you're chasing one kid on a speeder TIE fighter, Ezra is forced to join the crew to escape on their ship, the Ghost. I love the Ghost. Such a good ship. It's it's so beautiful. I love it. 
the ghost crew, which is composed of Hera, Kanan, Zeb, Sabine, and Chopper, make their way to Tarkintown, a settlement for farmers displaced by the Empire. Mm, tough look. Where they distribute the supplies from the heist. And then they also go and sell the weapons to Visago, which is a little shaky, but they, they also eat need to eat. You know they also need to they eat. They need to kill the ghosts. And Visago is a lesser evil than where the weapons would have gone. And from Visago, the, tr- the crew learns of an Imperial transport full of Wookiees that they hope to free. But it's a trap. And Ezra is captured after Zeb shoves him out of his way. The Imperials attempt to use Ezra as bait, but Ezra doesn't have faith that his new friends will come back for him. It was so tragic. He tells Kalis, quote, people don't do that. And this is one of those Star Wars things that I love. Kalis means like, or Callus means like emotionally hearted. And that's mm-hmm. totally what Callus is totally doing. Mm-hmm. And so while in his cell, Ezra manages to open up the Jedi holocron that he stole from Kanan. And hark, is that Obi-Wan Kenobi we see? Yes, it is. To Ezra's shock, the ghost crew does come back and the rescue is successful. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I mean, he did manage to kind of break out of his cell on his own, yeah, to be fair. He did. He did but while he was captured, Ezra learned that the Wookiees were headed to the spice mines of Kessel and decides to help the crew with the prison break. During the mission, Kanan reveals himself as a Jedi Knight in order to help the crew and the freed Wookiees escape. And this was like the sexiest thing ever, dodging blaster fire. Like he was, he was the epitome of sex god Jedi right there. <laughs> he, looks, he looks so good here. <laughs> oh, good. Back on Lothal, Ezra steals Kanan's lightsaber and the holocron and leaves the ship. Kanan, at Hera's pushing, tells Ezra he is strong with the Force and that he will train him as a Jedi if Ezra agrees. Ultimately, Ezra chooses to join the crew and learn the ways of the Force. Lucky. Cut Lucky. Back to, cut back to the Star Destroyer from the opening. ISB agent Callus sends a message to the Inquisitor about the newly discovered Jedi, to which the Inquisitor thanks him for the information end of episode well let's move on to that second holocron and this one we entitled the will of the force and for this holocron we'll be exploring the theme or themes of today's episodes and to get us started we're going to look in the micro the theme of these two episodes and we decided that that theme is kind of like selfishness versus selflessness thinking about something larger than yourself Remember Ezra's viewing of the people in Tarkintown and how a sense of community was building. When Hera says to him, quote, if all you do is fight for your own life, your, your life is worth nothing. This spurs Ezra to actions that he normally wouldn't attempt or think that he wouldn't normally attempt. And so why do you think that this gets to him, you two? What do you think it is about this particular crew and this particular moment that we see Ezra spurred to action? I think it's partially, he rem, Ezra remembers what it was like to be a part of a family, what it was like to be a part of a community. Um, I don't, he's never really known anything other than the empire, but when his parents were alive, they did have this loving sense of things and losing them is what truly caused him to 
partition himself off to Hardin to fend for himself, you know, in addition to telling Callus people don't do that, he even asks Hera when I think it was when they're going to rescue the Wookiees, the first attempt. Yeah. yeah. He's saying, who does that? Right. As who who, as who we puts do. himself, you know, I'm as willing to stick, I'm willing to stick my, stick my neck out to stick it to the empire, but not that far. Yeah. <laughs> Except he totally saved that vendor earlier in the episode. Yeah, he does <laughs> do it in small ways. It is a but he can convince himself way. that the risk was short and he got food out of it. That is true. Although now he realizes right. what probably happens to people that the Empire takes. He kind of had didn't really have an idea of that until he saw Tarkin Town. And he's like, oh, I've lived here my whole life and I've never seen this. His his worldview is shifting and his mm-hmm. world is opening back up again. Yeah. For right. sure. Which yeah. I mean, everything's opening up for him. He, he, it's his first time in space as far as we know. He has, space. That, he has that. I'm in space. <laughs> it's definitely his first time in space. He couldn't even believe it. <laughs> yeah, that was adorable. It's kind of weird to think how many people in the Star Wars universe actually don't go to space. Like, not everybody can afford a ship or passage off their own planet. A lot of people never leave their planet, so right. it's kind of like, oh, we take it for granted because we spent so much time in space just watching the movies. And here's little Ezra being like. What is happening? <laughs> he, he jumps right And it's in, important though. to remember he's only he's only 14 years old. And so to not have parents, what do we expect from him except for wanting to survive at all costs? He's all by himself. I mean, selfishness here really has to do with him surviving as a loth rat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And well, do fair. we... Do we agree with Hera's assessment that your life is worth nothing if all you do is fight for your own life? I think she's trying to spur him to action a little bit, but she also does very much believe in this. I think in this galaxy, a lot of people don't have the chance to live for anyone but themselves, but they also have families too. So they're living for at least maybe one other person where she sees Ezra as being alone only living for himself making the choice to only live for himself and that i think is why she's kind of pushing him because she's like if he had but she asks like are your parents going to be worried and he's like i don't i don't have any parents she's like oh (laughs) yeah and i mean that kind of gets into the selflessness of the ghost crew because they could have easily dropped him back off on his Mm -hmm. planet and have left him alone but they chose not to be selfish and bring along this newbie Right. And I think it also gets, I think the key word in that statement, honestly, Bahara, is all. Because she's not saying like you can't be selfish ever. She's saying mm-hmm. you need to find something else to live for in addition to your right. own life. And that's exactly what the ghost crew was doing. I mean, they were bringing the food to the people of Target Town, but they were selling the weapons to pay the bills. <laughs> you got to rob them some way. Yeah. 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 They need the money. They need fuel for the ship. It's expensive. Well, I think that idea of this like dual survival, dual standing up for other people and and Harris saying stand up for for more than yourself gets to the series theme. Mm-hmm. Colleen, do you want to yes. tell us about the series theme? Mm-hmm. And this isn't and... really a spoiler because we get a hint at it early on and it just continues to grow. Yes. Yep. Right. And we'll have a lot of different series wide overarching themes 
This is just one of them. It's one of our favorites. We do love this scene. Starting out early with that chosen family, the family you choose. Sabine says, quote, we're not exactly anything. We're a crew, a team, in some ways, a family. Uh, end quote, adorable. I noticed here Ezra's expression when Sabine says family. He's, he's like, oh, no, that's weird. And then he asks where their quote unquote real families are. So his mm. his definition of family too is also very skewed. He hasn't had one since he was seven. So he doesn't really understand the concept of this kind of family. He knows about like parents and kids and whatnot, but random strangers like hooking up and going out on a ship <laughs> and doing stuff together. That just seems weird to him. So far anyway. Yeah. And these guys, they do have a very strong family dynamic right away. I mean, everything about the ghost crew that we see is they are almost like a nuclear family. You've got yes. Mama Hera, you've got Daddy Kanan. Yeah, we do. Uh, no, not that daddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just like Sabine says to Ezra when he first steals the supplies, like, the big guy catches you, he's going to end you. And then Zeb later says, I'm going to end him if I catch him. <laughs> like, yes. Perfect. Yeah, Sabine Perfection. is the absolute, like, college student older sister who's back mm -hmm. for, from vacation. Zeb has that very big brother feel. And Chopper is a cross between the annoying baby brother and... The uncle. uncle. The yeah. Uncle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love chop. But we'll get more chop later. We'll get more chop later. But I think that actually kind of segues into our next holocron, our third holocron here, where we are going to be exploring the galaxy's populace. For this one, we will be exploring the characters and relationships that are featured in today's episode. Sarah, you want to kick us off? Yeah, of course I do. I want to kick it off with Ezra, who's Space Aladdin. That riffraff Lothrad, I don't buy that. <clears throat> I Your flat family... out refuse to believe that that was not a consideration when they designed this character. They've denied it, but now they're talking about Mina Masood, who played yeah. live-action Aladdin, playing yeah. a live-action Ezra, and I'm like, come on. I mean, just yeah. admit it. Just admit it. It's too perfect. Just admit it. I mean, he's your fairly typical orphan with a special destiny, and I eat it up every single time. Yes. I have a question for you guys that I mm -hmm. kind of want us to unpack when talking about Ezra. Do we think that it was the saber that called to Ezra via the kyber crystal, or was it the holocron? Was it maybe both? I have my own stance on it, but why don't Anders, you go first? I personally think if it was both, it was very, very heavily in the on the holocron side. I have a hard time believing that the saber called to him via the Kyber crystal because that crystal is bonded with Kanan. Okay. No matter how long it's been sitting there ignored, it's still bonded to him. Okay. So I'm definitely on the side of the holocron. Okay, cool. Colleen, Same. how about you? I definitely believe it's the holocron because the holocron can call to any Jedi, whereas the saber, like Anders said, is Kanan's saber. Like we see when they go and choose their crystals, their crystal calls to the younglings and they go and grab it out of the Ilum ice caves. Um, notice that Ezra thinks that it's the saber that calls to him though. He picks the weapon first instead mm -hmm. of the knowledge 
He's just pulling a Ron Weasley with the Elder Wand. Yes. yes he <laughs> He's got a lot of Harry in him, but he has a lot of Ron in yeah. him too. Yeah. Yes. So I think I think that it was both. I think the force is thirsty AF for Ezra. And here's why I think it was both and why it's the force more generally. Because like when when Ezra looks over at Kanan before they ever interact, you hear that mysterious humming sound. The force is calling and and both Ezra and Kanan are like new new planet who dis <laughs> one another and so i think that it was the force calling which obviously the force is going to be present in both the holocron and the lightsaber whose voice is louder i think that it makes a lot of sense you two make a lot of sense with the holocron having it be louder but i mm -hmm. think in general the force was just like yo home slice now is the time like this is the awakening we've we've let you do some cool physical acrobatic stuff before now but like now is your time to freaking shine mm -hmm. and that happens later in the episode it's very strong calling to him when the ambush is about to happen on the imperial transport mm -hmm. yeah Damon, who admittedly is like focused on the job at hand trying to free these Wookiee prisoners that he thinks are behind that door, doesn't notice. And Ezra is able to sense the trap right before it gets sprung. He says yep. something's yep. coming. Yeah. And Kanan is a little closed off too at this point. Mm -hmm. He's rusty. <laughs> he doesn't use the force very often anymore. This is going to throw a huge wrench into his works, which I can't wait for us to talk about. <laughs> Absolutely. Another feature about Ezra is he is a major collector and he loves taking souvenirs. You see his little pack rat mentality, all his little connection or collections of his helmets yes. and everything. Mm -hmm. If any of you guys watch Young Justice, very much Wally West on that show. That's great. Gotta have a souvenir and from every mission. Like, yeah, grab a seashell off the beach. We're good. And then finally, um, the voice actor, Taylor Gray, was 21 when he started voicing Ezra, which is the youngest cast member. So youngest on the crew, youngest in the cast. Just a baby. Just a wee baby. <laughs> All right. Next, we're going to go to space mom, Hera. She is an ace pilot and the owner of the ghost. Hera comes across as warm and caring immediately. Like, you can just tell. You just want her to hug you and tell you everything's going to be okay. <laughs> I want her to be my aunt so bad. Oh, yeah. Like, where yeah. is hair in the real world? How do I For hang real. with this woman? For real. I love her so much. <laughs> and this warmth and caring really helps her get through to Ezra. She's the first one that kind of breaks through his tough exterior and reminds him that he could help people if he chose to. Yeah. And then, of course, her and Kanan, they seem to know each other pretty well and have a fun kind of teasing rapport. I'd love to have a teasing rapport with Kanan, like make this happen. <laughs> oh, she's, also, she's very much in control. She is pushing Kanan mm -hmm. a lot yes. in this episode. She's designing, or not designing, but she's saying, give Ezra the test, mm -hmm. which right. they definitely know each other well enough that she is aware of what that could possibly mean. Yes, definitely. They've been together a really long time. Yeah, um, how long, Colleen, have they been together? Do you know? I think roughly? at this point it's like six years. I'd have to recheck when a new dawn is set, but I think okay. it's I think it's six years. So they've been like a crew together with Chop, of course. Chopper, third wheel chop, the for a really long time. And I just love it. I think Kanan is called Spectre One. 
Right. But let's be real. Hera is actually Spectre one. <laughs> yes. Hera this is, is like, like deflection away from Hera being the one who's in control. So that people Spectre would Spectre 007. That, yes. Yeah. She is the one calling the shots. And Kanan listens to her. Like he talks back and is a sass monster, but he pretty much listens to Hera. I do love Vanessa Marshall's performance as Hera. She's just pitch perfect. She, in the novel, A New Dawn, she has this like melodious voice that Kanan is like attracted to immediately. And Ooh. Vanessa Marshall is so perfect here. Along with Stephen Bloom, she's the most experienced of the vocal performers in the main cast with hundreds of roles under her belt. She also brings forth that peak mom energy that we love between her banter with Kanan and calling Zeb by his full name when she's mad at him. Oh, that was excellent. Dear Zeb Aurelius. He's like, oh no, mom is mad. (laughs) I love it. I love Hera. We'll get more Hera. Yes, we will always get more Hera. And then, of course, we also have Kanan, Spectre One, uh, who's about to let everyone in on the secret that he's been hiding for 15 years, but is just ready on a dime to, <laughs> to go in. Ready to go. Yes. But this was a pretty big reveal in this episode to see a fully-fledged Jedi, especially because we, at this point, have not known anything beyond Revenge of the Sith, where all of the Jedi, except Obi-Wan and Yoda, go kaput. Mm -hmm. Right. And then Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, where Yoda is pretty adamant in his statements on there are no more Jedi except for Luke Skywalker. So this idea that we could have one set in this time period kind of threw us through a loop a little bit. Right. Yes. And that backlash could have been huge. It was a little bit. (laughs) It was a little bit. I'm not as bad as it could have been. Can't comment. Spoilers. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we'll talk we'll talk about it more later when yes. it won't be at a risk of a spoiler good call mm-hmm. yes but as we all know yoda is not actually omnipotent and he's pretty cagey with the truth <laughs> and to be fair yoda makes that pronouncement rebels is over and yeah, again more spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> more spoilers mm-hmm. Trying really, really hard not to spoil things here, guys. This is a difficult thing <laughs> for us to do. Episode one. <laughs> Kanan also displays some very Obi-Wan-like sass very, very quickly during that speeder chase mm-hmm. with his little banter back and forth with not only Zeb, but Ezra and the Stormtroopers. And he is voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. Who is a total heartthrob. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, you knew I wasn't going to say that one. Yeah, I mean, you can. It's an undisputable fact that he is a total it is. babe. Total babe. Um, and speaking of other heartthrobs, at least when it gets to our hearts moving, Sabine, Zeb, and Chopper, we'll be covering them in the coming weeks so that we have more to talk about next week. So, Colleen, why don't you tell us about our next character? Ooh, talk about also pretty darn good-looking dude. Callus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Callus, ISB agent Callus was originally envisioned as a Chiss I can warrior, see that. one of Thrawn's people. We'll and get to Thrawn what, this later. This is why too. you like it. Not necessarily. <laughs> it's I, bad. I why delicious? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Why are you hot though? 
and love, love, love Callus. His character mock-ups included that kind of blue skin and the glowing red eyes, which I also would have been fine with if he had turned out to be a Chiss. But it also would have been really strange at this point in the Empire for another Chiss to be around. So I'm kind of glad that they scrapped that. The show's co-creator, Carrie Beck, said that David Oyelio, who is the vocal actor for him, oh my god, he sounds amazing. <laughs> he was able to bring, quote, a voice that is very authoritative and very commanding and very cool without betraying any sense of insecurity or weakness. Aye, aye. Which I would agree. I would agree. He sounds great, guys. He sounds wonderful. Could listen to David talk for quite some time. And Anna, who's our other baddie? Yes, lastly, our last baddie here, we have the Inquisitor, voiced by very literal legend, Jason Isaacs, Lucius Malfoy, if anyone was unaware. Who that? Inquisitor <laughs> is a Powan. Did I say that right? I think so, Powan. Powan. Uh, whose people were featured in Revenge of the Sith on Yuta Pao, mm -hmm. um, right as Obi-Wan was taking care of General Grievous and then falling down a pit. We don't really know much about him. He opens and closes the episode, but we really know nothing about his mission and deference to Darth Vader. The mission seems to coincide with Project Harvester from the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. And what is Project Harvester? Taking them kids. <laughs> yes, Project Harvester. Um, this will actually, I think, lead us right into our next holocron where we talk about Easter eggs and connections. Project Harvester was trying to snatch up Force-sensitive children from the actual episode of Clone Wars entitled Children of the Force. Okay. And that's different from the Jedi snatching up children who are Force-sensitive. Right, no, the Jedi I mean, were the Jedi asked permission. <laughs> yeah, the Jedi asked permission. The Jedi asked permission, lightly. You say potato, I say potato. I mean, I guess potato. Cad Bane kind of did, too, in Clone Wars. He didn't just take the kids. He went and pretended he was a Jedi so that he could take the kids. Oh, my goodness. Pretenses. Oh, well, why don't we head into that fourth holocron, Binding the Galaxy Together. And in this holocron, we'll be talking about homages and Easter eggs of today's episode. And I get to start it off with the first one and one that is like so classic Star Wars. And that's the opening shot, the opening undershot of the Star Wars destroyers. It's just so classic Star Wars. It gets me every time. It honestly does. <laughs> it literally gets me every time. I am a sucker for it. It gets me every single time. It just looks so cool. It does. And, and the dangerous. animation in these is getting so good. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then almost immediately after that, we have Vader's hologram, where they did, in fact, get James Earl Jones to come That's back wild. and do this. Mm -hmm. Which I'm going to say, if, if you're going to do that, you can't not have James Earl Jones. Like, no one else could ever voice right. Darth Vader. They really can't. <laughs> and very, very early on in the opening moments on Lothal, the Imperials are arresting that Gotal uh farmer and instructed to take the prisoner to cell block AA23, which is the same number that Leia was stashed in on the Death Star. Oh, that's a cool <laughs> one. That's a really Excellent. cool one. I love that. I love the callbacks. This is so great, guys. Okay, yes. this one is one of my favorites because mm, he looked good too. Obi-Wan's <laughs> Holocron. 
look and fly. Just always straight up hot. Pretty fly for a Jedi. Mm-hmm. What, Anders? <laughs> you guys spent too long on Outlander. <laughs> <laughs> we are so thirsty. It's not even. It's it's actually silly. There there just wasn't a lot going on in the going on department in parts of the last season of Outlander. We got to stretch. Yeah, it over now we've here. got Obi Wan. We've got Kanan. Mm-hmm. We've got check your age, Ezra. <laughs> yeah, he's cutie pie. Oh my gosh. So the holocron, fun fact, Kanan is actually the one who gave Obi-Wan the idea to use the Jedi beacon at the temple as a warning instead of as a call home. It was originally intended to be a everybody come back to the temple right now, but this is like a new use for it. As a youngling on Coruscant is so adorable. Kanan is the cutest youngling of all time. Kanan asked Master Kenobi whether the beacon could ever be used as an alarm, which really shocked all of the other Jedi present. They were like, why would we need an alarm? We're the Jedi. That's so short-sighted for them not to realize. That's so insanely short-sighted. I I didn't understand. I read it in A New Dawn and was like, what? (laughs) You guys never thought that you might have to be warned away from Coruscant? All right, hubris much. And then we also know that Kanan received the message from this holocron from Obi-Wan, but so did Sarah Junda, who is one of the protagonists of the game Jedi Fallen Order. In addition to getting this message cameo from Obi-Wan himself, Kanan uses Obi-Wan's own description to define the Force to Ezra in these episodes. He says... Uh, and I'm going to giggle at the, sen- the second sentence. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfectly well and good because I also will probably giggle. He tells Ezra, quote... It surrounds us. It penetrates us. It binds the galaxy together. (laughs) We're so sorry, Anders. No, we're not. Let's not lie. And then (laughs) (laughs) And then next, I loved this part too, when Ezra has the lightsaber for the first time and turns it on Kanan's basically, you'll chop your arm off, kid. (laughs) And that again is so classic Star Wars. Yes, yes, and such Unfortunately, a Unfortunately, no one, no one did this time, I don't think. I don't no. think anyone lost a limb. No one lost <laughs> limbs. No fingers were lost. Everything's fine. <laughs> and we mentioned this earlier in the opening, mentioning Children of the Force is very telling for what we should expect from the series. Ezra is a child of the Force and could definitely turn into a threat for the Empire. Children of the Force is also a name of the Clone Wars Season 2, Episode 3, where the Jedi are uncovering a conspiracy to kidnap Force-sensitive children before they can be recruited by the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Always busy, Taking Ben Palpatine. <laughs> Taking them to Mustafar, I think, right? Mm-hmm. And then this one might not actually count as an Easter egg, but I <laughs> just, I laughed so Yeah, it tickles <laughs> when, you. when I rewatched this one. So this connects to something outside of Star Wars. So Ezra is in the cell on the Star Destroyer and he's luring the stormtroopers in (laughs) to the cell. And he shouts out, my uncle, the emperor. And it's just such a classic like Disney style move. Again, this is the first big project that Disney took on with Star Wars. So it just, it made me think of Thor Ragnarok and Thor and Loki playing Get Help. And, I hate that um, game. Going... <laughs> oh no, you'd love that game. 
and then going all the way back to uh, D2, the Mighty Ducks, when Goldberg and the, the team are trying to con their way to like an exclusive Rodeo Drive store, and he claims he's Aaron Spelling's nephew. Aaron? Aaron Spelling? No, Hank Aaron. Of course Aaron Spelling. Oh my goodness. Mighty Ducks Game Changers coming this March. <laughs> Now we will move into our fifth holocron, which we are calling Conjecture at the Cantina. This is where mm-hmm. we'll get a chance to kind of ask each other our own questions about the episode, try to answer them, and explore some wider Star Wars lore together. Mm-hmm. Colleen, kick it off. Yes, yes. So we're also going to kind of cover like what Dave Filoni and some of the crew members have to say about these episodes. One of my favorite things when I was initially watching Rebels was to also watch like kind of for extra credit, because that's just how I roll. For Rebels is an online show called Rebels Recon. Host Andy Gutierrez gently grills Star Wars execs and voice actors about each episode. These first two episodes were treated like a film and actually had an official premiere, like red carpet premiere. It was really As cool. As it should be. Yes, mm-hmm. I would have loved seeing this in the theater. That would have been so cool. Filoni shared with Andy that they showed George Lucas this quote-unquote film and that he loved it. which is pretty big praise coming from the world's creator as he handed the star wars reigns over to the disney team basically handed it to dave filoni let's be fair (laughs) like here you go here's my baby (laughs) do with do with it what you will but be kind (laughs) yeah and so when i was watching this episode this time i kind of had a question for you guys do you think that Ezra has ever kind of felt like he's quote unquote special before because he's doing some stuff in these episodes like some of the more intuition force abilities might be newer but he's pulling off some moves in this that you gotta think I'm not like other kids yeah if I can quote Rubius Hagrid you're a Jedi Ezra and a bleeding good one at that because like it's so it's so true that like he does those force jumps without even thinking about it, without even seeming surprised, without even questioning his own abilities. He just fluid, he just fluid like water gets the job done. So I think, I think it's very akin once again to kind of shout the Harry Potter references where these younglings can do incredible feats that might seem slightly unusual, but because they haven't been taught any other way, it might just be, I'm, I'm a little bit more special in certain regards, but I can't certainly be Jedi special. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Harry ends up on the roof and he's just like, I guess I'm on the roof. <laughs> he just yeah, doesn't he doesn't question it. He doesn't accept yeah, it like Tom Riddle. observation never really improved beyond that moment. So true. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it helps too I mean, that Kanan was there. Like maybe that kind of sparked even more growth like a kind of ripple through the force that Ezra might not have ever felt before this could yeah, have been maybe. Like, I, I mean yeah if Kanan's making him th- feel things he's never felt before I totally believe that <laughs> yeah I mean I can get like him parkouring all over the city like that those moves I can you can chop that up to I'm naturally a little bit more athletic or whatever right but he pulls off a pretty far-reaching flip over Agent Callus when they're on Kessel and I'm just yes. like all right you're not chalking that up to you just happen to be athletic. You have no. to suspect something. And, you know, we've seen 
Luke was a great pilot. Anakin was obviously a pod racer, the only human who could do it, which makes you stand out as a bit unusual, but at the same time, not 100% unheard of. Yeah. So I'm yeah, really they just, curious. They think it's just their thing. Yeah. That they just happen to okay. be really good at. Yeah. And then this one's a little bit more on logistics. So given the fact that Kanan has just outed himself to the Empire as a Jedi, would he really have been willing to let Ezra just walk off and keep the lightsaber? No. <laughs> he says, you could, yeah, you could take it or you can come I with us. No, I think I he believed think so. in Ezra way too much. I mm-hmm. like when I when I was watching it, I could almost see I don't think I don't think Kanan was lying to Ezra at all. No. I just don't I just don't believe that Kanan thought that there was going to be any other choice that Ezra was going to make. Right. That's that some pretty sense. sweet bait to dangle in front of a 14-year-old kid. Like, yeah. oh, you want to be a space wizard? No. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll take the sword and go. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you want to collect this space tchotchke to like sit in your room and grow dust? Or would you like to come join me where you can learn powers beyond your wild imagination and have a family? Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Yes. Gotta go. Where you can learn how to use the sword. Like, I will teach you how to use the sword. Even if Ezra hadn't gone to the ghost, although I think it was kind of a foregone conclusion that he would, Kanan would have had no trouble getting it back from him. <laughs> let's yeah. be fair he's at least mostly trained jedi he's not a knight yet but he's he's been trained so he he'd be fine getting it back from ezra if he had to well we've talked about kanan's lightsaber do we know where kanan got the holocron we actually do uh kanan got it from his jedi teacher master Deepa bilaba after the conquest of Kalar near the end of the Clone Wars. And then obviously his master did not survive Order 66. So he hung up, he hung on to it. Yeah. And there was, Very I can't sad. remember what the graphic novel or the comic book was, but there's a really good comic book about Kanan mm-hmm. that there's talks two. about some of this. What? Yep. Which one is it, Colleen? They're the Kanan comics. They're really, really good and really sad it's yes. basically about his time as a padawan under Deepa Balaba and how he befriends some of the clones and what happens during order 66 and what happens before it it mm, it's really really sad Kanan actually wasn't sure if he would be chosen by anyone Aww. to be their padawan but then he felt this connection Kind of almost the same way that he and Ezra had that little moment at the beginning. He was drawn to a hospital wing where Deepa Balaba was in a back to tank, like unconscious. She'd been unconscious for a really long time. And him being there kind of woke her up. Aww. It's so cute. It's so sad. Well, then yeah. that kind of makes me think that Ezra's powers maybe were awakened a little bit more in Kanan's presence then. I don't know. I don't know. Either way, That's I like right. it. Yeah. It's a little spark. A spark that will ignite it. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> speaking about sparks and igniting, what is up with Ezra's slingshot weapon? My my main question is kind of like, is this a force sensitive weapon or nah? So the answer is probably nah. Um, as far as we know, it is a unique weapon. I don't think we've seen this anywhere else with any characters. It's an energy weapon that fires non-lethal rounds. 
I'd assume he probably uses some of that natural force instinct to aim it. Yeah. To get an gauge how far to pull and whatnot. Um, he first uses it in the young adult novel Ezra's Gamble and the bounty hunter, the Trodosian bounty hunter Fosk even comments on it when he strikes up a very unlikely partnership with the young Ezra. Mm-hmm. Adorable. <laughs> Just Ezra falling around a giant Trodosian. Just a cool little course. weapon. I really like it. Yeah, it's really cool. It's unique. It fits his personality so well that kind of ne'er do well with the slingshot sticking out of his back pocket. Yeah. And it seems like it's something he made. Like it, it, a lot of his stuff seems like he made it. He's got yes. this kind of innate mm-hmm. tech knowledge with him. Like he gets to hack into stuff and he knows well, it's kind of like Anakin having, having um, just the ability to finagle things and everything mm-hmm. is really impressive. Just good engineering skills. Very much so. And non-lethal. Also very good. It has the blue color, the kind of stun bolt color, which is a nice touch. And then my last question for this one, I mean, this is just me kind of dunking on the Imperials a little bit. So they had, what, like two or three total crates. One of them had weapons and two of them had food. They were not particularly large shipments here. Do the troopers really need to, quote unquote, protect them at all costs? No, definitely not. That line from them, I was just like, really? Yeah, no, definitely not. (laughs) No. That's that's pride ordering that one around. Mm -hmm. For sure. My take is that the Empire just can't afford to look foolish ever in front of anyone and can't let anyone take their stuff. Like this is a, if people see us being made fools of, that's not good. We have to catch who did it and punish them so that no one else will try and do this again. I think it's more of like a deterrent thing and an embarrassment thing. They're trying to make the citizens of Lothal bend the knee basically. And if some street toughs can steal their stuff. Not great. It doesn't look great for them. And then of course you have to catch poor (laughs) Lieutenant List gives that order. So he's very young, up and comer on Lothal. So of course he's gonna be like, oh no, if they find out this happened on my watch, I'm gonna be in big trouble. So he will do the desperate thing and be like, go get the crates, everyone. I'm sure the freaking stormtroopers were like, really? <laughs> like how many how many troopers could we have had possibly with the, with with those crates? <laughs> it might have been like the more expensive food too. It could have been going to like the higher ups possibly like officers mess level food (laughs) somebody's not getting their steak tonight guys so lieutenant list is getting a demotion (laughs) well i have a final question that isn't really a question more of an observation how in the world did agent callus hang on after the ship blasted apart before the shield was put up that's beyond me all i have to say is he has to be ripped a f to have been able to hold on that long and did either of you two notice he also totally killed a guy on his side for no <laughs> reason at all just a blatant he was being annoying. human life well is that the first jedi you've ever seen sir <laughs> i mean it's Obviously. star wars we had to have someone totally just fall off a cliff <laughs> yep yeah that yeah that mm. <laughs> callus callus has a lot of living and learning to do still but yes. randomly just kicking that stormtrooper. 
And in terms of his strength, he is an ISB agent. They are kind yeah. of elites in yeah. terms of fighters. And, and Callus is I think very he elite. Callus is very elite. He has some things, I think, in future episodes that we will get into about his past that hint at his kind of very strong warrior nature that yep. would indicate that he would, in fact, be that strong. Yep. Well, I think this is a great place for us to head to our sixth holocron. All right, everybody. Like Sarah said, we're heading into our next holocron, number six, the newbie from Naboo. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, 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 welcome. This is Flo's first time watching Rebels, everybody. First time. You guys finally wore me down. Yes. Deadly. Yes. We knew watch Rebels. Would. Watch Rebels, everyone. Your husband also asked me to get you to do it. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Everybody in my life wore me down. Thanks, guys. <laughs> See, we're here for you. We love you. We want you to enjoy things. So we tasked Flo with watching the episodes and giving us her questions and feedback and her hot takes, if she has any. So let's find out what our ambassador for Naboo thought about today's episodes. So I want to start off by saying that I actually took notes, which is very rare for me, as my team knows. <laughs> So I did take notes and I have to say, I actually really enjoyed these first two episodes. I feel like this kept me much more engaged than Clone Wars, like no shade yes. to Clone Wars, but like this one, I like put my phone down. I had like my multicolored pens and was like taking all my little notes. <laughs> so That's what they had. Clone Wars great. gets so much more engaging as you move on through it. And so this mm -hmm. one, they definitely had that ability. Yeah. They've learned from their from the past. Yeah, I feel like this one like caught me like right away. I was like, oh, what's happening? So that was awesome. Yes. Okay, so in no particular order, um, here are my takes from the episode. First of all, you guys will not be surprised, but I think Ezra's super hot. <laughs> yes. Okay, hold on, hold on, He's hold cute. on. He is a cutie pie. Hold on though. But like, Kana I need to Jars? ask. Kana Jars is hot. <laughs> Get the bleepity bleep 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 into my bleep. Like, he, I mean, Ezra's Ezra is totally attractive. He's cute. But Kanan, like, I talk he, about this elsewhere. What so, a okay. Here's the problem, though. So, like, first of all, I need to know, like, how old Ezra is because 14. I need to know if this is, like, wait, how Four, old? 14. 14. At this point. He'll be, He's the he'll exact be 19 same age at the as end. Luke Skywalker. Yes. But he is attractive, Flo. It's okay. You don't have to be stranded on this <laughs> He's island alone. He's, He's a cute. He Maybe it's, like, legal on Lethal or something. <laughs> Um, and yeah, like we've talked about, I know we talked about this in like our Ezra pods, but like he is super Aladdin-y and like, I didn't realize like how Aladdin-y this first part of the episode would be where it was just like, this is a straight remake. Okay. Oh, for sure. They're like, um, Agrabah, welcome. Yeah, exactly. A million percent. So to your point, Sarah, Kanan is super hot, but I do have a question. Like what is up with his eyebrows? <laughs> I don't know and I don't care. It's an excellent question. I mean, Freddie Prince Jr. has some pretty expressive eyebrows, so maybe they just kind of these are intense. They're they're really intense. Every time he was on screen, I was like really distracted by the eyebrows, which like kind of took away from Kanan for me. No, not you'll even get, at all. You'll get used to it, and then you'll be like, oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. Um, I am already obsessed with Hera and Kanan, though, especially when she called him love. I was just like, yes, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> They dropped it early, fast, and hard in Star they Wars. Like, you don't do the album all over the ghost. <laughs> well, okay, so, like, this is my thing. Like, I don't feel like it was very obvious if they're together. 
or like do they just have sexual tension or like I don't know but I'm really oh, looking it's forward both. you will yeah. see okay. yeah. <laughs> in terms of Zeb I don't like him I think he's super weird but I'm sure I'll like him eventually like I don't feel like I was supposed to like him in these because he was against Ezra and like obviously I'm supposed to be team Ezra right now so yeah I was like kind of sketched out by him um is Ezra hitting on Sabine was like oh, my number yes. one question <laughs> yes she's that was like a hard hit Sabine, Sabine has no time for it so that was my question Colleen like Sabine is 16 okay I wasn't really sure if they were like peers or like I close don't. enough or like if it was sketchy or if it was like a Padme Anakin situation where no it's still, totally close enough. No, they're they're closer <laughs> okay I mean when she whips off her helmet and like music pretty much yes. swells and time stops I loved that moment it was, it was great rough. it was like some hey. Disney princess stuff I was Ezra <laughs> in that moment oh, it was awesome Sabine is so cute Okay, so next, like, I totally saw the Ezra as Aladdin vibes, but in the, like, latter part of the first episode, I got some, like, serious Ezra is Elsa in Frozen 2 vibes when he was, like, hearing the, like, force noise, like, when Elsa yes. hears, like, okay. her, like, ah, sound, <laughs> um, <laughs> which, like, kind of had me wondering, like, is Elsa force sensitive too? <laughs> I would believe that. I would he believe is the that. Balancing sure. spirit. Right? Okay. I'm like super here for a crossover episode of like Frozen Rebels. Um, I was super sad about the Wookiee slavery. That was like, let's just like bring it down. I was yeah. very upset about that. That was not okay. But when Zeb said that he was a red hairless Wookiee, I literally <laughs> laughed so loud. It was preposterous. Whereas, like, I don't think I've ever laughed in Clone Wars. So, so it was like nice that this was already like so funny in the first episode. I was like, perfect. Yes. Um, my top quote was Hera saying, if all you do is fight for your own life, then your own life is worth nothing. That just like, obviously like we love stories about heroes and like this was just peak, yep. peak hero. So yep. love that. Was just like, I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That was so <laughs> great. Um, and then episode two, I, or like, part two of episode one, whatever. I don't know what we're calling it. Yeah. Um, I really like the like anti-gravity swimming-esque fight at the beginning. That was like really cool to see. Also Ezra saying I'm Jabba the Hutt just like made me giggle. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> he's so he's sassy funny. too. I love that about him. I'm super here for sassiness. Um, my coolest new weapon, because I know you guys like love talking about new things. I had never seen this, obviously. I know you guys have, but the exploding graffiti gun that Sabine has is yes, insanely Choice. cool. Like <laughs> that is so legit. <laughs> so that was really cool. And then to your point, Sarah, about Kanan, that man has such BDE when his lightsaber is in his hand. Oh my god. I'm about to let everyone in on the secret. Ooh, that was wild. He just was just like, hold on. Let me make you all blank when I go into my Jedi mode. And he yes. just steps out with just like his chiseled chest, his beautiful piercing yeah. eyes, and just lights that bad boy yeah. and just like dodges and ducks and just moves as fluid as water away from those blaster pistols. I was just like, Freddie yeah. Prince Jr., take me and see the eye. Right? It's so hot. It was, it was impressive. 
And Flo, a Jedi has not been seen for like 20 years. So this is craziness. So this was a big deal. Yes. Yeah. That's why I Callus like, was kind of like, wait. <laughs> right. So I don't feel like I got that as much because mm-hmm. like, obviously I see Jedi all the time. And it felt like yeah. he wasn't super like hiding it because he just like was like, oh yeah, all right, whatever. Gonna whip out yeah. my lightsaber now. So he also hasn't um, taken out his lightsaber for like 15 years. Well, since. girl, he is not out of practice. Okay. No, he's <laughs> good out there. <laughs> that was really good. Um, I liked Ezra looking out onto Lethal. It was like very Luke on Tatooine vibes, just like mm. surveying the land. Mm-hmm. And then my final take on these two episodes is that I cannot take Agent Callus seriously because of his extremely Cinna from the Hunger Games beard. Like, <laughs> I just like, I don't understand what's happening with the facial hairstyling in this show, but it is wild choices, wild. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't know I think like they all like need to go to like a different European wax center or whatever like they need to go somewhere different <laughs> yep and that was, was it that was my take I'm like super super excited for watching more like I've stopped myself so that I wouldn't have spoilers obviously mm-hmm. um and I just I can't wait to keep watching so yeah we need to crank out these episodes so I can watch yeah we gotta go we gotta go mm-hmm. we gotta blast off but mostly, like, it's just so good to be back with the three of you. I've missed you guys. Yes, I've mm-hmm. missed you guys. We're back. Also, right. I'm really enjoying Sarah trying to um, censor herself after this many weeks of you guys doing Outlander. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying to be a lady. And oh, it's failing okay. because Kanan is there and I'm, like, ready. Yeah. Mm. Space daddy. Yes. You can have Kanan. I'll take Ezra. <laughs> That's fine by me. So I think us dividing up the men of Star Wars Rebel is where we should leave it. So join us again next week to geek out together about Rebels Season 1, Episode 3 and 4, where we see if Zeb and Ezra can actually survive as roommates. Until next time, please subscribe and leave us those five-star reviews. Check out our website at bohemiangeekstudies.com where you can watch all of our episodes and enjoy Colleen's book corner where she's reviewing Star Wars literature. And you know what? You can contact us through email and social media to let us know about your Rebels takes. As always, keep telling other nerdy knights to join us because that really does help. And you can also head to forgottenentertainment.com to check out all the offerings from the Forgotten Entertainment family. Until next time, lightsabers up and keep those episodes streaming. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. (laughs) Bye, everybody.